You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I did go on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, Life has been really crazy with grad school. Um, It has kind of been kicking my ass, and so... The podcast, unfortunately, got put on the back burner, um, and I was finding myself struggling to be motivated to record a new episode. Um, I wanted it to feel authentic and genuine, and over the last couple of days, I've been feeling the urge to record an episode, to get back on here, um, and really talk to you all about a topic that's been pretty prevalent in my life the last couple of weeks. Um, And so I'm really excited for today's episode. It is a solo episode, which we haven't done in quite a while. I've done a lot of interviews, but I haven't done a lot of solo episodes. And so this morning I woke up and I told myself, you know what? My one goal for today is to record a new episode for the podcast. And if I do that, I've accomplished all that I want to accomplish for the day. So here I am (laughs) sitting in my office and really excited to talk to you all about self-sabotage and imposter syndrome. So like I mentioned at the beginning, I am currently in grad school. I'm getting my master's of social work and it's kicking my ass. Um, it has been much, I I don't want to say much harder. It's been difficult. It has been hard. It has been difficult. I think the hardest part of it has been transitioning back into the mindset of being in school. Um, I graduated my undergrad in 2017, and so there were a couple of years between my undergrad to when I started grad school that I wasn't in school, I wasn't in that mindset, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have deadlines for assignments. Um, I really was, you know, working for myself and setting my own deadlines and all of these things. And so going back to that headspace and that routine was definitely not an easy thing for me. Um, I will say that the first year was easier than what it currently is now. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm getting so close to finishing and I'm talking to friends and colleagues about jobs after graduation, um, the community that I want to work with, what I want to do, what my hopes are, what my dreams are, and that makes me really anxious. That makes me really 
nervous. And I think that's when my self-sabotage and my imposter syndrome really starts to creep in. And so over the last semester, the last couple of months, I have really been feeling this intense feeling of imposter syndrome and self-sabotage. These thoughts of, am I able to do this? Is this the field that I'm supposed to be in? What makes me think that I'm going to be able to support people through their eating disorder or support people through any mental illness? All of these questions of, can I do this? Am I worthy of doing this? Um, Am I doing enough? Should I be doing more? All of these questions have kind of just been consuming my mind. And every assignment I do, every conversation I have, I find myself back in that place of, am I doing the right thing? Am I the right person for this? Am I enough for this? And as someone who has struggled with people pleasing for the majority of my life, I have found myself struggling with imposter syndrome and self-sabotage for many, many years of my life. Um, You know, it started when I was younger. I saw it in sports. I saw it as a friend. I saw it as a sibling, as a daughter. I was always thinking, am I doing enough? You know, am I being a good enough friend? Am I, um, you know, being a good daughter? Should I be doing more? What makes me think that I'm as good at basketball as I think I am? And all of these these negative thoughts would circulate my mind because I always wanted to make other people happy, um, whether that be through good grades, being a successful athlete, being a good daughter, being a good friend. And all of that has flooded over into my academic life. Um, and I saw a little bit of this in my undergrad, but not as much, mainly because for, honestly, the majority of my life, I had been told, you would be such an amazing teacher. Be a teacher, be an educator, that's what you're meant to do. And I, I, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast at some point, but hearing that growing up, I never really thought twice about what I wanted to do with my life, what career path I wanted to take. I just always told myself, oh, we're going to be an elementary school teacher because that's what everyone else around me sees and is telling me that I would be good at. And so... In my undergrad, I knew, you know, I was going into a field that everyone told me I was I was meant for. And so a lot of that imposter syndrome and self-sabotage wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Um, of course, halfway through college, I decided I didn't want to be a traditional elementary school teacher anymore. Um, and there was a little bit of imposter syndrome there um, and questions of like, well, what makes me think I could be anything else? I'm not qualified to be anything else. Why would I change paths now? You know, who am I going to upset? Who am I going to let down? 
And a lot of the things that I was thinking and the questions I was asking myself were really centered around other people. They weren't ever centered around myself and my happiness and my well-being. And so I think the reason I'm struggling so much with imposter syndrome and self-sabotage now is because I'm finally in a field and I finally decided to go back to grad school for nobody else but myself. And that is a very uncommon thing for me to do or for me to feel. And it's been something, you know, through my eating disorder recovery, working on that people pleasing, working on um, doing what makes me happy has been a priority for me. And I think that's why it felt so easy for me to decide to go back to grad school because I knew that it was for me and I was doing it, you know, because I had a passion for helping individuals um, who are experiencing eating disorders or any other mental health um, struggles. And so I think that that's why I wasn't seeing that self-sabotage and imposter syndrome so much in the very beginning of my grad program. And I think the reason it's become so prevalent in the last couple of months is because I'm so close to being done and I'm thinking about things like, is this for me? Can I be successful in this field? Do I know what the hell I'm even talking about? Um, And those are really hard questions and emotions to work through. And the reason I say all of this to lead up to today's conversation is because I know that there are probably a handful of you, if not more, who have experienced this at some point in their life. Imposter syndrome and self-sabotage are unfortunately part of the human experience. We are always going to be questioning our decisions, questioning our abilities, and seeking validation through other people. And when we're not getting that validation from other people or, you know, maybe the people we're surrounding ourselves with don't think to validate us or they don't think that that's a necessary thing to do or to provide, that's when we start to have those negative questions of, am I doing enough? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, Am I the right person for this? All of those questions. So today I really want to focus on how we can navigate these negative feelings, what we can do to move forward through that self-sabotage and through that imposter syndrome to continue working toward those goals and those dreams and those things that we really want to do in life and we really want to be in life without allowing that those negative thoughts Um, to hold us back or to stop us from getting there. Like I mentioned, I'm sure that a majority of us have at some point experienced 
this self-sabotage or imposter syndrome. And if you haven't, you're so lucky, (laughs) to be completely honest, because these are two experiences that are not fun. They're not fun at all. And honestly, they can be extremely debilitating um, in a lot of many different aspects of life. So I want to start off by looking a little bit deeper into what self-sabotage and imposter syndrome really are. Where do they come from? Why do we experience them? And what can we do to work through them? So let's start off with self-sabotage. So self-sabotage, or also known as behavioral dysregulation, um, can be a form of physical, mental, or even emotional destruction. Um, It's that idea that we feel the need to hinder our own success by undermining personal goals and values. And I think the the trickiest part of self-sabotage is the idea that it can be conscious and unconscious. And so that makes it really hard for us to kind of pinpoint where is this coming from Am I practicing um, self-sabotage? What is this? Um, And so one example of someone who may be experiencing self-sabotage is someone who has a fear of failure. And so they will wait until the last minute to complete a project, unconsciously avoiding and creating stress and anxiety around that assignment. So they are unconsciously sabotaging themselves and their success because of that fear of failure. Um, Another one uh, that I read recently that's more conscious based is, you know, someone who is on a diet, let's say. Um, We don't diet around here. We don't agree with dieting, but I think that this example is is just one that's easy to understand. Um, And so someone's dieting and they want to sabotage their diet. So what they will do is they will consciously eat, let's say, a piece of cake. And that is them consciously sabotaging themselves and their diet. Again, we do not diet around here. We do not agree with restriction. We do not agree with feeling guilty for eating any foods. But I think that that's a really um, easy example to understand um, when it comes to conscious self-sabotage. So... Why is self-sabotage so difficult for us to live with? Um, And I think the prime example of that is that it really depletes that drive and motivation. When we feel the need to sabotage ourselves, either consciously or unconsciously, it really depletes that drive. We feel like, why would I even try this? I'm going to fail anyways. And so we don't try. And the same thing with motivation. Why would I incorporate this healthy intervention or 
healthy coping mechanism into my life when I know I'm just going to fail at it. And so self-sabotage really does deplete that drive and motivation. And with that, we are left oftentimes feeling sad or anxious and definitely experiencing a lack of self-esteem. And so when I think about my experience with self-sabotage, um, I, think about, I think about the um, perfectionism side of, of my life and my personality. Um, I definitely have some perfectionism within me, and I think a lot of that stemmed from my eating disorder and feeling like I had to look perfect and eat perfect and work out perfect and do all of these things. And so with that perfectionism has come some of that self-sabotage where I do experience these, these thoughts of why would I put so much effort into this assignment if you know, it's not even going to make a difference or I'm not even going to get that good of a grade on it or, you know, the teacher's just going to grade it and then it's just going to sit on my computer. Um, That's probably one of the biggest things I've experienced when it comes to self-sabotage. I also am a huge procrastinator and I think that that also stems from self-sabotage. I tend to put off assignments and work until the very last minute, kind of like the example that I gave. Um, And I don't think that mine necessarily stems from a fear of failure. I think it stems from that idea of, well, like, what change is this even going to make? And so a lot of the work that I've had to do recently is understanding that not everything I do is going to have this gigantic impact on the world. Um, Not everything I do is going to be shared with hundreds of people. Um, And so I've had to work through those feelings, understanding that I don't have to wait until last minute to do an assignment. I can do an assignment early, somewhat early, (laughs) and kind of remove some of that stress and anxiety that I feel when I wait till the very last minute. And this assignment is good enough just being turned in, being graded, and giving back to me. Um, I probably learned something from that assignment. It doesn't need to be shared. It doesn't need to be this like huge extravagant thing. And so that's been something that I've really been working through. And I think that the the biggest part of working through self-sabotage, breaking out of it, um, there's three things that have been pretty prevalent in allowing me to do that and allowing me to support clients. Um, As an intern clinician, being able to work with clients who may also be experiencing self-sabotage. The three things that I always recommend is number one, becoming aware of the fact that you are self-sabotaging. 
when you become aware of it, it's easier to pinpoint. It's easier to identify. Um, It's easier to say, okay, this is not me. This is an unconscious thought that I'm having, an unconscious feeling or a conscious feeling or thought that I'm having. And I have control over my thoughts and my feelings. And so understanding and becoming aware of that is a really great place to start. The second one kind of goes into that, but it's accepting it. Accepting the fact that not everything is going to be perfect. Accepting the fact that I do have this perfectionism personality um, and there are ways for me to work through that and to navigate that in a healthier way emotionally and mentally. Because in the long run, when I self-sabotage, when we as individuals, as humans self-sabotage, we end up putting more pressure and stress and anxiety into our life than we had prior to that self-sabotage. And that's been a huge thing for me to remind myself of is, yes, it may feel really hard for me to accept and to do this task, but I know that as, as long as I just do it, and I remove the expectations, then in the long run, it's going to be a lot less stress and anxiety for me. And so that's been something that I've also been reminding myself of through working through this self-sabotage, not allowing myself to mentally and emotionally self-destruct and understanding that I am worthy of success and I am worthy of feeling good about the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm accomplishing. And I can celebrate those things without feeling that pressure to destruct and to say, nope, it wasn't good enough or it could have been better. And that leads me to the third part of breaking out of this, and that is Switching from criticism to compassion. This is a really hard thing for us to do as humans, especially humans who have really spent majority of their lives feeling like they had to be perfect. They had to constantly be criticizing themselves. They had to constantly be looking at, okay, how could I have done this better? How could I, you know, um, get a 100% next time instead of a 98% next time on this assignment? And I think when we switch that mentality from a place of criticism to a place of compassion, we oftentimes find ourselves enjoying experiences a lot more, um, strengthening that self-esteem, and doing things that we genuinely love and find joy in. And that is a really beautiful thing. Um, And I know for a lot of people who experience self-sabotage, They grew up in households where they were held to really high expectations. And if they failed, there was some sort of criticism or there was backlash. And it can make it really hard to 
rewire your brain from that place and into a more compassionate and accepting place. But it is possible. I promise 100%. If you experienced a lot of criticism growing up, if you were held to really high expectations growing up, it is possible to work through those things and get to a place where you can show yourself compassion and you can be accepting and okay with the outcome of things in your life. Um, and you you don't have to live your life feeling like you have to destroy or self-destruct everything that you do because you are deserving of success and you are deserving of being proud of yourself and patting yourself on the back and celebrating yourself Those are all things that we as humans are deserving of. And self-sabotage is one of those things that keeps us from doing that. So that's a little bit of, you know, my perspective on self-sabotage, the things that I've seen, the things that I've experienced. Obviously, there are many different varieties of self-sabotage. People experience it in, in very different ways. But I think, you know, unfortunately, many of us have experienced this in some form or another, whether it's the conscious self-sabotage or the unconscious self-sabotage. We've all experienced some sort of behavioral dysregulation and some sort of self-destruction, whether it be physical, mental, or emotional. So from there, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome as well. Um, Because like I said at the beginning of the episode, these are two things that I've really been experiencing um, pretty prevalently since going back to grad school. Um, But specifically imposter syndrome. I will say that imposter syndrome has been the most prevalent of these two. And so imposter syndrome um, is also known as perceived fraudulence. Um, And it's that idea of doubting your abilities and that feeling of being a fraud, um, leading yourself to believe that you as an individual are a fraud. And when I was researching imposter syndrome, um, because this is something that comes up a lot in my sessions with my clients, um, is this imposter syndrome. And so I've spent a lot of time researching it, look, figuring out what does it look like, where does it stem from, um, how can we work through it. And one of the biggest things that stood out to me when it comes to imposter syndrome is a lot of times this imposter syndrome is going to appear when you are starting something new or you're stepping out of your comfort zone or, for example, for me, going back to school and um, getting a MSW, which I never would have thought that I ever would have done at any point in my life. Because I was never great at school. I never saw myself as being very intelligent or very smart. And so I think I've seen this imposter syndrome really be prevalent in my life 
recently because I'm in this new space. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm doing something that I really never saw myself doing. And that's something that's really common with imposter syndrome. So with imposter syndrome, you're going to see a lot of different things. But the first thing is for a lot of people who are experiencing this, it's difficult for them to accept their accomplishments. Um, and this can kind of go back to what I was saying um, when when I was talking about self-sabotage. If you grew up in a household that had really high standards and, you know, never really showed any sort of celebration or excitement or pride for you as a as an individual, that's where it can be really hard for us to accept those accomplishments. Um And so that's one thing to look out for when it comes to imposter syndrome. Another one, um, again, kind of similar to what I mentioned in self-sabotage, we can find this imposter syndrome um, in individuals who experience perfectionism. So kind of going back to that idea that I, if I can't do this perfectly, I can't do it at all. Or this isn't something that I'm good at, so why would I even try? Um, Or, you know, I have never done this in my life, so what makes me think I can do it now? Going back to those ideas of being being a fraud or feeling like you can't do something and, again, doubting your abilities, And then the third one, kind of like what I mentioned, these feelings can be rooted in families who value achievement above all else. So families who have had really high expectations um, for their children, this can be a huge sign for someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome. Um, Again, going back to grades, sports, Um, extracurricular activities, hobbies, all of these things. If you're raised in a family where achievement is valued over everything and success is valued over everything and how well you do and the grades you get and if you win or if you lose is valued over everything, then you're going to find yourself experiencing that intense imposter syndrome at some point in your life. Um, It's just bound to happen because again, that's how your brain has been wired. That's how you've been been raised. Um, And so it makes it hard to enjoy activities without thinking about the outcome or the achievement. Um, It makes it hard to do an assignment um, just because you're interested in a topic without thinking about what grade am I going to get on this? Am I going to get a 100? Am I going to get a 98? Um, When in the long run, whether you get a 100 or whether you get a 98, it doesn't make that big of a difference. It's not that important in the long run. And then the last thing that's important to look out for is individuals um, who may be writing off successes and saying, oh, I only succeeded in this because I either did it at the perfect time 
or I just have really good luck. Um, People who experience imposter syndrome find it really hard to accept that maybe they just were good at something and that's why they succeeded because they have the skills because they have the knowledge because they have the abilities Um, and instead they find themselves saying oh I just got lucky or oh I just did this at a good time Um, that is something that's also pretty prevalent when it comes to imposter syndrome so as I lift listed off a couple of those I am curious you know if any of you have experienced any of these things when it comes to imposter syndrome, do you find yourself thinking um, that you're a fraud or that you aren't able to accomplish something? And if you do, where do those thoughts and beliefs come from? Are they coming from a place of Um, you know, based on how you were raised, um, what you heard from your parents or your grandparents or your siblings. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of individuals who experience self-sabotage and who experience imposter syndrome, a lot of it's going to stem back to parenting and that childhood environment. Um, Pressure to do well in school, we're going to see that a lot with an imposter syndrome. Um, Being compared to your siblings, we're also going to see that a lot in imposter syndrome. And I also think you can see that pressure to do well and that comparison to siblings also within self-sabotage. So there is a lot of similarities between the two, but they're definitely also very different. So how do we deal with imposter syndrome? What are some things we can do to move forward through these feelings, to navigate these feelings? Um, And I think the first one is acknowledging your feelings, acknowledging that you're feeling this way, that you are doubting yourself and that you're feeling like a fraud. Um, Because once you start to acknowledge those feelings, it's going to be easier to then work through changing those feelings and those specific reactions. The second thing is trying your best to avoid comparing yourself to others. This is a lot easier said than done. (laughs) Um, I think that we live in a society where we can constantly see what other people are doing, what other people are achieving, where they're working, what their life looks like, how much money they're making, how how many kids they have, what kind of car they're driving, just at the tip of our fingers through social media. And so that comparison is really, really prevalent in all of our lives. And so one thing that's going to be really helpful in working through this imposter syndrome is figuring out how to either avoid that comparison or work through that comparison. And a lot of that's going to start with strengthening that self-esteem, understanding that you are who you are. You are one of a kind. You are unique and there is no one else out there that is you and that is your superpower. And so I think starting there can be a really great place in working through that comparison and also being aware of when you are comparing yourself. Um, So say you're scrolling social media and you see someone who 
got a new job and you start to think, why don't I have that job? Why don't I make that much money? And stopping yourself, being like, oh, hey, wait a second. I'm comparing myself. They're in a field that I'm not even in. They're doing things that I'm not even interested in doing and reflecting on your accomplishments and the things that you have done is going to be really helpful in working through some of that imposter syndrome. And then the last um, way to work through it and to deal with it is challenging your doubts. So when you start to doubt yourself, sitting down and having that conversation of, why do I feel like I can't do this? What is telling me that I can't do this? And I think when we challenge those doubts, we bring those doubts to the forefront of our mind we have those internal conversations with ourselves, and we really figure out where is this doubt coming from? And why do I really believe that I can't do this? Why do I have such a strong feeling that this is something that I can't do? Um, challenging those doubts are, it's going to be really helpful in working through that imposter syndrome and also the self-sabotage. So I hope that me talking about what each of these things look like, where they can stem from, and how we can work through them has been helpful to all of you. Because like I said, I truly believe that we all experience this in some form or another. We experience self-sabotage in some form or another, and we experience imposter syndrome in some form or another. So being able to understand what it is, um, where it's stemming from, looking back at your childhood, figuring out, you know, what were things that you were told and how were you raised and reflecting on that is going to help you move forward in breaking some of these cycles that we've just done and incorporated into our lives for most of our life. Um, Because self-sabotage and imposter syndrome are not a fun thing to live with. They're not a fun thing to deal with. And I think when we have these conversations, we normalize these really difficult feelings, it's easier for us to come together and to support one another through these two extremely difficult feelings and experiences. So if you've experienced self-sabotage, if you've experienced imposter syndrome, maybe you've experienced both, maybe you don't really think you've experienced any of it at all, I hope that you took something away from this episode. Um, And even if you aren't experiencing this or haven't experienced it, There's probably someone in your life who is experiencing one of these two things, if not both of them. So by understanding what they are, where they come from, and how you can work through them, that will allow you to better support a loved one or someone in your life who may be experiencing this. Just remember that self-sabotage and imposter syndrome do not make you a failure. You're not a weirdo. You aren't a failure. You are a human being, who wants to succeed, who wants to be accepted. And remember that while it is nice to seek validation from other people, 
a lot of times the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is providing validation for ourselves. Finding how, figuring out how to provide self-validation. That has been a life changer for me. And I think when you start to validate things for yourself, you will find that you do things for you. You do things because you enjoy them and you love doing them. And you'll find yourself doing things that you hate because you think that someone else wants you to do it. Um, So seeking and working toward that place of self-validation is going to be critical. And it is something that you deserve. All of us deserve. We deserve freedom from self-sabotage. We deserve freedom from imposter syndrome. And we deserve to feel a sense of self-validation. So just remember that you are not alone in any of these experiences and any of these feelings. And no matter how long you've been experiencing them, how often you experience them, it is possible for you to find those coping strategies and those interventions to help you work through the self-sabotage and to help you work through the imposter syndrome. I am here for each and every one of you. I don't know everything. I'm still learning so, so much. But I think that just having the conversations, creating the safe space, being there for one another is going to make getting through these difficult times and these difficult feelings and the difficult experiences a little bit easier. So I hope that Today's episode was helpful just in the slightest. Even if you didn't learn much, if you just learned one thing, I am happy. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Um, Like I said, these two things have been prevalent in my life and the last couple of months specifically, but honestly, the more that I think about it, they've been pretty prevalent in my life, my whole life. Um, which is the case for a lot of us. But when we become aware of what these feelings actually are, what we're experiencing, that's when we that's when we have those thoughts of, oh, okay, this is what I've been <laughs> experiencing and feeling for so many years. And having a name and having something to identify those feelings as can be really helpful in in working toward healing from that place. So thank you so much for listening. Um, If you have the time, I would really appreciate it if you left a rating and a review. It's not only helpful for me, but it helps to get the podcast out and it helps to give people an idea of what the podcast is all about and and whether they should give it a listen. So you can do that on um, Apple Podcasts and share the podcast share this episode, share whatever episode resonates with you. And again, I am so happy to be back, so happy to be recording podcasts again, and keep an eye out for our next episode. Have an amazing day, and remember, I am so proud of you.